0: Hello, it's 20 to 9, it's Sunday the 27th of July 2014, and this is episode 49 of Roy's Rocket Radio, so hello again Now, the first topic I was going to briefly discuss, or rather rant about, uh, is the only topic of news this week, and uh, considering it's a rant, it really shouldn't be in the news section of my podcast, but then I haven't made up any other headers, so that's where it's going to go. Maybe I should have an opinion section. But I just wanted to talk about writers who don't write. Well, writers who don't write are not writers. So, if you're ever at a party and someone tells you that they are a writer, Ask them what they are writing. If they can't come up with something, well, then they're not writers. Now, this may sound a bit petty, but the reason I'm saying this is not to criticise people who claim to be writers that aren't, but it is to goad myself into working. Because, quite frankly, since I finished my last novel, which still, by the way, needs editing, I've done bugger all. I've really gone from being a one-man fiction factory to being a one-man fiction flatulence, <laughs> i.e. I'm just full of hot air at the moment, uh, and I'm trying to change that right now, right after this podcast, in fact. So, all you people out there, daylight's burning, so go and damn well write something. it's well, a hell of a pep talk. And next we're going to go back to our normal um, sections of the show. So, uh, as you may have noticed, if you're following this podcast, we're going through a Doctor Who marathon from the very first episode to the very last available episodes in preparation for Peter Capaldi taking over the uh, TARDIS from Matt Smith. Um, Since there are so many years and so many episodes to watch I, I highly doubt that I'll manage this feat And I'm guessing that when Peter Capaldi starts his show We'll be still talking about the earlier episodes even then But we'll try our best to get you through all the episodes up until then And tonight we're... Right, we're with the first Doctor again We're in series three Uh... Story 3, entitled The Myth Makers. This is a four-part adventure, first broadcast on the 16th of October, 1965, and it finished on the 6th of November, 1965. The writer is Donald Cotton, the director, Michael Leeston smith and the producer is John Wiles, because last week... Uh, In Mission to the Unknown, well Mission to the Unknown was Verity Lambert's uh, last uh, stint as the producer on Doctor Who Uh, It is a happy ending though, she went on to produce another genre sci-fi show almost immediately after Doctor Who For the Beeb as well, and that was called Adam Adamant Lives uh, and to talk about that show right now would be straying from the subject of this podcast. But if I do manage to uh, have time in a future podcast, I can talk about it then. She also produced a whole bunch of other shows. It, um, most notably that you might know of, uh, she produced Jonathan Creek. And she died in 2007 after a long and very successful career. So yeah, happy ending. Okay, uh, and the cast this week in The Myth Makers is, as always, William Hartnell as the Doctor, Maureen O'Brien as Vicky, Peter Purvis as Stephen Taylor, and introducing Adrienne Hill as Katerina. The Companions. Okay, so I just started watching this uh, uh, adventure sometime during the week, so I haven't actually finished watching it. Uh, I've watched about, I've gone about halfway through... Uh, So, generally, it's basically, it's about the Trojan War, so it's another one of those historical Doctor Who episodes where uh, we're we're talking about, uh, where the Doctor gets involved in some period, some famous, usually famous period of history, uh, rather than um, aliens and space stations and Daleks. And although I do prefer aliens and spaceships and Daleks, this uh, adventure isn't that bad as it's set during the Trojan War. Uh, The Doctor, um, near the beginning of the show, the Doctor, uh, the Doctor's TARDIS materialises on a plane, uh, and... He comes out of the TARDIS and he's confronted... Well, he's not confronted by, but he witnesses uh, Hector's uh, legendary battle with Achilles. And basically the two of them are just slagging each other off and not actually fighting. But when the Doctor appears, he distracts Hector for a moment, and Achilles takes full advantage of the distraction and runs Hector through. Quite dishonourable, really, when you think about it. Achilles then mistakes the Doctor for Zeus in disguise, and we later meet Odysseus, and I'm guessing other members of the Greek camp. Uh, At some point during this uh, adventure, we'll meet a new companion, a a rather short-lived companion. Uh, I don't mean lived literally, but uh, she won't be with the Doctor long, I think, and that will be Katerina. So, my view, uh, kind of halfway through the adventure is, well, for, for one thing it's a mostly reconstructed adventure, but it is likable enough, as I love Greek mythology. Uh, but all in all, it's more a space filler for Terry Nation's The Dalek's Master Plan, uh, which uh, had a kind of prequel last week with Mission to the Unknown. So, yeah, n- not a bad episode. Uh, probably worth watching, especially if you're into Greek mythology. Uh, I like how they portrayed Achilles. He, he's um, he's not Brad Pitt, or you know, he's a, he's a good-looking young guy, but he doesn't seem to have an ounce of honor in him. Which, um, <laughs> or maybe it's a different kind of honor, but there's a different. Uh, if you read the Greek myths, their, their kind of morality is very different from what we would consider acceptable today. I don't know who the actor is who plays Achilles, but he's pretty cool. He, uh, and, and he's called by many of the Greeks, Fleet of Foot. Huh, that seems to strike something in my memory. Um, Achilles being fast or something. Uh, but it's been a long time. So check that out if you have time. Uh, and that was Doctor Who, The Myth Makers, 1965. Now I watched a couple of movies this uh, well, this week, finally got around to watching them. Uh, the first is Immortal, 2003. This is Anki Bilal's, or Bilal's, Enki B I L I've probably pronounced that completely wrong uh, but this is a movie made by him and based on his Nikopol graphic novels that feature in the magazine Heavy Metal or rather the French version and then it was translated for the English version that was printed in America Now... I've got to prepare you for something, because both the films I'm going to talk about tonight, uh, they're kind of disappointments. Um, Now, Immortal, although based on a comic book, a comic book is not a film. And being a comic book writer and uh, artist is not the same as being a filmmaker, and this is almost the defining example of, of this mistake in this film. Now, the story... The, okay, well, I'll give you a little idea about the craziest story, which, you know, I haven't got a problem with the general story. Uh, so, the, the Egyptian god Horus, the, that's the guy with the falcon head, Is looking for a breeding partner during the last seven days of his life. Um, And there are also another couple of gods around. There's the Egyptian god Bastet, that's a cat headed goddess, and Anubis, the jackal headed god of the dead, I presume. The guy who weighs your feather, uh, weighs your heart with a feather, and um, if. if your heart's heavier than feather, then you're found wanting and consigned to eternal damnation. As far as I can remember, that's a myth, um, and that has absolutely nothing to do with the movie. And I've just said that just to show off. But there you have it. So, uh, it's generally about one of the gods, Horus, looking for a a, a mating partner. Um, to produce an offspring, or, or I, I'm not sure, to, if it's just for an offspring, or to to reincarnate himself, or something along that line. Uh, and he's only got seven days to live because he's been uh, sentenced to death by the other gods. Uh, and apparently, gods can can die. Now, when I've said that, it gives you the impression this is all set in the past, but in fact. Uh, the pyramid spaceship of the three gods that, are, that we meet, Horus, Bastet, and Anubis, is actually floating over New York, over a future New York. Now, these all sound like really big ideas, and they don't really translate well to the screen. I could be kind and say it's because the ideas are so big they would never translate to the screen, but that's not true. I think they could do. I just think the whole thing's been incompetently handed. Now, there's a... The whole film is a mix of CGI uh, animation and live action. Unfortunately, it's not a smooth mixture. And some of the characters... uh, Well... When I say it's not a smooth mixture, I mean it's very jarring. Uh, Frankly, not very good, especially in the character design department. Many of the CGI characters just look ridiculous. Um, They don't strike you. It's very hard to lose your sense of disbelief. Oh dear, yeah... I was disappointed with this movie. All in all, I it has a feel feeling of vanity work. It has a feeling of someone who thinks they know how to make a movie, but really don't. And I don't know what Anki Bilal's movie background is, but this was diabolical. Um, so I'm guessing maybe it's he, this is new to him. And certainly not a reflection of his uh, comic book work, which is excellent. Uh, but back to the movie. Um, so, yeah, the, the mixture of CGI and live action was horrible. The characters designed for the uh, computer-animated... wholly computer-animated characters was... ...bad. Um, the script... ...was horrible. Uh, some of the dialogue was truly, truly awful. I, I couldn't envision any scenario in which characters would speak like that to each other. And that's even giving uh, Anki Bilal the benefit of the doubt that the script was probably originally written in French and then translated into English. It's still awful. The acting... Ah, right. Um, I won't single out names, but some of the acting is incredibly ropey. And again, like last week, I very rarely blame the actors, but, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, one of the actors was, was particularly awful. Well, um, come to think of it, let me see, let me think back. How many? How many real live-action actors were there? There were a few, uh, but there were two. I'm going to talk about... Okay, I'll just mention it. I didn't like Charlotte Rampling's character at all. Um, Her acting just seemed out of sync and awful. Um, The guy... I don't know his name, but the guy who played the main protagonist also couldn't seem to act. Um, Which is a bit sad. Um, I don't know whether it's to do with... Uh, The actor's having a hard time maybe with a lot of the green screen work or digitising. It's often not a great um, environment conducive to good acting, so maybe that's one excuse. Um, So, not that great. All I can say in conclusion is it's really best forgotten about, and it really should not detract from Anki's excellent comic book work, which is worth checking out. Just forget about this film. (laughs) The guy's still a talented guy. He's just a more talented comic book um, writer and artist. So next, we have... Oh, sorry, the movie I was just talking about was The Immortal 2003. Okay, next we have a bit more modern film, The Zero Theorem 2013. Now, this is another uh, ambitious, in fact, overly ambitious film, I'd say, from Terry Gilliam, that utterly fails to deliver. Um... That's a terrible way to start off a review because now I've got to have <laughs> got to explain that. But I should have done the synopsis first. Okay, Christopher Waltz is a maths guy who's going loopy in a typically Gilliam-esque future, which means lots of quirky characters, um, very bright uh, colours, lights, uh, kind of decaying. Uh, future with bits of our uh, technology from around now mixed with um, fancy stuff that we don't have yet. Uh, it has the look of a typically Gilliam-esque film. And if you've seen Time Bandits or Brazil, you'll know what I mean by that. So, anyway, Christopher Voltz is a mass guy who's going around the bend a bit. And the reason he's going around the bend is he's overworked by trying to prove that the universe has no meaning. And uh, so, But I, I should point out that that's what the zero theorem means they 're not talking about the um, the null hypothesis used in science <laughs> they 're talking about something different he 's trying to say that ultimately that nothing means anything or everything means nothing so he 's going a bit mad from trying to prove this, and it 's making him depressed. <laughs> unsurprisingly. Along the way, though, he is dug out of his ennui by Melanie Thierry, who is an internet artist, and I say artist with uh, quotation marks around that word, Uh, and she has a heart of gold, so no cliché there then. So all in all colourful, but silly, and a bit boring. The relationship between the girl and Vaults is pure old-guy fantasy. In the end, the ideas in this film are terribly shallow. Um, I had a quick look at the Wikipedia article about that, and they mentioned the big crunch. Um, so, he's trying to, the guy is trying to prove that ultimately the universe will get destroyed and we'll end up... And it will all have been for nothing, but then... That doesn't mean that you have to live your life like it's nothing, and that's that's the only idea he's trying to put through uh, put through with this movie, and you could have said that in the first five minutes of the movie, unfortunately uh, you know the the other thing I did I did something I shouldn't have done this time I before i wrote my uh, wrote my own review made my notes for the show i had a look at what other critics said about it i i almost never do this anymore because it tends to color your own uh, feelings of the films you've just seen but from what i've read um professional critics i e not me um, elsewhere have been uh, have been much more charitable than i have been All I can guess from that is that they're giving Terry a break, given his past output. Because, as you know, he is a good filmmaker. Um, But unfortunately, this isn't one of his good films. The only positive thing I can... uh, that I have to say is that Christopher Voltz is excellent. Uh, But then he always is, you know, he's... (laughs) Once they discovered him um in the, what film was he in, oh inglorious bastards, yeah, once they discovered his acting talents, there's been no holding him back, and he chameleons himself into just about any role you can throw at him. It's a bit like a bit like Jeffrey brush that's that's the feeling I get from him good actor um And I do, the colours are bright and and entertaining, but the film's shallow, like I said. But I do love Gilliam, Um, so this mess should not put you off his prodigious and excellent output. Uh, Some of my favourite films are The Fisher King, Time Bandits, Twelve Monkeys, and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And of course, Brazil. Um, So yeah, don't let that put you off Terry Gilliam. In fact, it probably won't put you off Terry Gilliam. I think it's fairly known that he he can have a... Um, he can make good films and he can make stinkers. Uh, this just isn't a good film. So that was Zero Theorem 2013. So the two films that I... What did I review today? Oh, so I reviewed the Myth Makers. Doctor Who's the Myth Makers series. Um... And two films, Immortal 2003, which I found fairly awful, but with an imaginative story, so that's one good thing I can say about that. And The Zero Theorem 2013, which uh, was shallow and a bit silly, but on the other hand had all the uh, Guillermo-esque visual cues that you would expect from one of his films so it wasn't an utter loss i suppose see i'm always trying to say something positive about these movies um what else have i got to talk about today no no that's about it um i've still got a busy night ahead of writing so i'd better go um, thanks for listening. This was Roy's Rocket Radio, recorded on the 27th of July, 2014, Sunday. Uh, and this was episode 49. The time as we come to the end of the show is... Let's see. 9.03. Oh, I'm going to say 904, because it's just flicked over to 904, just as I said 903. Um, But that does give me a couple of seconds to just mention that if you've got an idea for the show, please... Get in touch. You can get in touch by visiting RoyMathur.com. That's R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R dot com. Uh, Rate me on iTunes, visit the blog, email, tweet me. I'm always glad to hear from listeners. Thank you for listening. Bye.